It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now... Here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you everyone for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, it's one o'clock, and we're excited to be back. Last week, we had to, the very last moment, shut down the whole show. The fires had evacuated me. It had uh, evacuated the studio, uh, which is, we're not in the same place at the current time, but so we all had to get evacuated and go somewhere else. And well, the show had to be put on pause. So we apologize for that, but we do have those guests rescheduled in about a month on the same show. So we certainly will publicize that and make sure everyone knows. And we appreciate all of the wonderful, uh, thoughts and uh, concern that people sent us, uh, you know, during that time. So we're all back. Fires are just about put out and we're all back home and safe. So uh, that part is done, but let's, uh, let's talk about today's show. Uh, You know, really this show exists to talk about talent, to talk to talented people and see what we can learn, what we can implement, what we can do inside of our workplaces to, to have a better uh, place for our employees to work, to be better and more effective leaders uh, whatever it is that we can do to make our work better. Cause we, you know, most of us work all the time. We might as well enjoy it. We might as well be somewhat good at it. Right. So, uh, you know, so many stories have come out of, of these interviews that I've been doing for years now here uh, every week. And uh, a lot of those stories are in my first book, the power of company culture. So if you're interested in checking that out, wherever you buy your books online, I'm sure you can find it. And um, it's really just a collection of some of our, our best stories and just wrapping up my uh, second book. And I'll be well talking your off, off about that later. We'll, we'll get to that probably in a, in a few weeks, but you know, so many of you come in and listen to us live and we really appreciate it. Uh, we want you to be involved with the show. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at people G2 or that hashtag talent talk. Uh, Angela, my social media expert, she's, they're uh, putting on uh, uh, the best one-liners, the best quotes, the uh, links to books, and maybe the, the profile for the our guests. So it's really a great resource for you if you're listening live. But most of you actually come in after the fact and you listen on the podcast, iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, where, uh, Spotify, wherever you're finding your podcast, we're there. So even if it is after the fact, you can still go back on Twitter and send us a question or give us a comment or use it as a resource for you there. Um, we, that stuff stays up there indefinitely. So. Obviously, if you're listening to this years later, that may not be so easy to find. But if it's relatively recent, I think it'd be a good idea to look for it. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about who my guests are today. Uh, my first guest will be, well, Dan, is it Dan Signs? I think it's Signs. Hopefully I'm saying it correctly. Dan Signs. I have a habit of messing up names. So uh, Dan Signs, CEO correct. and co-founder of uh, uh, Tradeify. And then, uh, then we'll bring in uh, two guests at the same time from the second half of the show, Brett Cooper and Evans uh, Kerrigan, co-founders of 
Integris Performance Advisors, and also co-authors of Solving the People Problem. All right, we'll bring them in on after the commercial break, but let's go ahead and get to Dan. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chris, and glad to hear you and your team are okay after the, the fires. Yeah, it's all, it, you know, 2020 has been a challenge, so, and, and, and here we are today, uh, uh, the day of, of the day of taping this show, the elections will be going on and people are voting and who knows what tomorrow or the next few weeks will bring. We'll find out. But uh, until then, let's talk about talent. Let's talk about what you guys are doing. Maybe you can tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what your company does. Sure. So, uh, again, my name is Dan Sines. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Tradeify. Uh, Tradeify is a personality insight platform uh, designed for kind of the modern candidate. Uh, Tradeify was actually started back in 2011 by myself and my co-founder, Josh Spears, initially in a very different way uh, than it is today. We were um, actually, Josh was going on a blind date that did not go so well. He came back to me and said, I wish I'd have known this girl better to plan a date that would have matched our personalities. And that was actually the genesis for the company. We built out um, an assessment designed to match people to uh, dates and uh, in doing so, we found the old school ways of measuring personality were just too long and cumbersome uh, for that kind of modern attention span. My background's in design and Josh's in multimedia productions so were very visual people. And we basically said, let's reapproach this from a visual perspective. Um, and then as many startups do, uh, we went out and we uh, were trying to get uh, traction with our dating app. And we were finding that college campuses where we were really seeing traction and the administrator said, could you help our kids find a career path? And, uh, you know, as many startups do, we pivoted at that point, And we've been focused ever since on helping people find their career trajectory and the right fit at uh, their employers. Well, that's a really cool story that, you know, I think people don't realize that when you start a business, you don't always have to have the, the, the finish line figured out yet. You know, you can start it with a good idea. You can start it with, you know, passion and trying to solve a problem. And you may find other problems along the way that are better to solve. Absolutely. I think when we started, we never thought that we would be a personality assessment company, but you know, that's uh, you know, finding the path to solving the problem was really what led us there. Yeah. And, and that's often for so many businesses, right? Exactly what it's all about is trying to figure out where do we go? Where, where do we actually, who will actually pay for this stuff? Right? You can have <laughs> sure. a great idea, but who's willing to actually spend money? <laughs> that's important. <laughs> so you, you mentioned your being sort of visual and that the visual part of this was important. So why is a visual based assessment important and maybe what's wrong with the traditional personality assessments aside from it being so cumbersome and long to kind of figure out? Sure. Well, I mean, just by being cumbersome and long, you're often filtering out a number of people um, and making it less available for the masses. Uh, you know, we predominantly work with companies that are in the high volume hiring industry, which often means hourly jobs. Um, and so being able to reach those people who only have a mobile device um, it might be in more disenfranchised areas and do this in a way that they're used to, the way Instagram looks or Snapchat looks, something that's very visual and appealing, uh, you know, that's that's how you're going to get those people on board and through a candidate process. So our test today shows people a series of pictures. They simply say me or not me to them, and it builds a personality profile in under 90 seconds. So a much faster, more fun and engaging way. 
So without oversimplifying, is it like show you a picture of a tiger and then show you a picture of a mouse? Or I mean, is it is it that kind of a thing? It's a little more situational than that, um, but there could be cases where we show something um, that simple. Um, our team goes through and they actually build, um, you know, each image very clearly based on the psychological concepts we're trying to measure. Uh, we use what's called the Big Five, which has been around for about 50 years. And we've cross-validated our assessment to the traditional ones that take 45 minutes to complete. By doing so, we've made sure that we're able to maintain that accuracy and validity, but we're getting that more fun perspective out of it with the images. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I can imagine, you know, cert you can certainly see a scene, you can see certain things you can tell, well, this is something I like to look at, is this something I could see myself in uh, versus others? I mean, jumping out of an airplane for some people may be great and other people be like, no way, not ever, ever, ever. And that would give you a pretty good idea of their personality. Just, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So how can HR teams hire the right people then, you know, using these types of assessments, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe even just, we have the holidays coming up. I mean, thinking about temporary workers and, and people that need to bring in for very specific jobs. How are they sort of managing some of this right now with your product? Sure. So today we're implemented as part of the apply process. Um, you know, you take the assessment as you're applying for the job. The hiring manager on the other side can then see how well you fit the profile of what they're kind of looking for. The important thing to note here, though, is that we're looking for diversity of personality as well as traditional diversity, of course. And so um, there are many different types of people who work well for a role. Often there might be a handful that might not work so well. Um, as an example, a retailer we work with uh, found that they were putting people who are very high on extroversion and high on openness at their cash registers, and they were doing well. But when they put them back of house, they were really struggling. Makes a lot of sense, but knowing that before you make the hire can really help to save you, you know, some, some challenging turnover costs. Um, and so as we're going to the holiday season, I think, as you mentioned there, hopefully they've already got that hiring in place. Uh, there's only a couple weeks here to go, but uh, if they've not yet, I think you're really looking this year for adaptable people. Um, and that's across the board because the one thing that has been constant about 2020 is the unexpected uh, and change. And I think that's likely to continue on into the beginning of 21. So having a team that can really adapt, I think is going to be important. Well, I love that you started off talking about the diversity because it's so easy for us to say, well, we know that this kind of person works and all we're going to do is hire this kind of person. And then companies can get very stuck in their thinking. They can lose out on uh, really important uh, innovation and, and, and iterations to what they're doing. And maybe even being able to service a different part of a customer spectrum, right? Maybe your extroverts do do well at the cash register, but if you don't have one that isn't quite that, maybe share some of those skills that maybe can connect with other types of, of customers. Not every customer wants someone who's overly, you know, <laughs> giant extrovert, you know, and, and wants to talk all the time. We, we learn at our organization, and so I'm curious if you guys do this, we went back and studied for personality type. But what we figured out was, was that there were certain personality traits that did really well for customer service, but it, we were actually very wrong in putting extroverts in customer service. Mm, yep. And, and because they would talk too much, they would overtake the conversation. And when the customer calls in and wants to be heard, they want someone who shuts up and listens, <laughs> which was not my extroverts. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so do We've you guys do similar some trends? <laughs> yeah. And so you guys do some of that, like go back and study what's working and then, then use that as like a baseline or is it more, geez, we have some models here that we suggest you use. 
Yeah, so we um, we don't set it and forget it, which is kind of the traditional approach to assessments. They say, this is a good fit, roll with that. We actually constantly adapt it, um, at least quarterly, but often more frequently uh, with companies. So we come in with an idea and we look at the current employees and any performance data that they might have and say, here's what's actually working. So let's try to you know start there, but we keep adapting it. And you know we found exactly that case before that, in customer service, you might want a more introverted, more empathic person who is, um, you know, hearing the person out, really listening to their their problems, and that defies the traditional hiring standard, which right. is why you need things like personality assessments to really understand that. And it's really a, a, a force of measurement too, right? You just you got to figure out what works well for your company. You have to measure that. You have to think about it. You have to look at it and you have to play out those scenarios over time to see, well, what's, what's really working for us and our clients or our customers or whatever this, this scenario, maybe it's someone who works with your vendors. I mean, people that work with my vendors have a totally different personality traits than people who work with my clients, right? Cause it's a different relationship. And absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, we, we've already sort of ragged on 2020 a few times here, and of course it deserves it. Um, but, uh, you know, with COVID-19 going on and, and impacting our country uh, and, and around the world, of course, are there ways that you're suggesting or you think about how companies might address candidate concerns around health and safety when they're getting hired? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, most of the process is virtual now for the hiring experience. And I think that's obviously important um, and it's going to help to bring more candidates in. I think we're seeing a little bit of a mixed bag with customers that some have huge waves of applicants right now, but some are still struggling to get people in the door because they're nervous about the situation. So I think making that safety a part of your recruitment marketing, talking about how that works today, talk about what your plans are, how you're going to keep them safe in the job is going to be really important uh, for the remainder of the year and you know for as long as this continues to go on, unfortunately. Well, and it's crazy. I mean, there's so much happening. We don't really know what the, I guess, the forecast looks like. And today may give us, may change things one way or another. We don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I think this question has been coming up a lot about, like, where do companies invest next year, right? Is it is it around HR? Is it around technology? Is it around, you know, just you know, supplies or, or, or logistics for people. I mean, like, you know, where, where do you think they should be kind of putting maybe some of those dollars to best support their people to hopefully meet the, the goals for that the company has set forth? Yep. You know, I think great companies have always focused on the best talent. Uh, I think that's been a trend when you look at brands like Apple or Google or Disney, you know, they've put that effort behind that over the years. Um, and I think that we're seeing hopefully a positive trend where CEOs are paying more attention to talent uh, within their organization and realizing that HR shouldn't be a cost center. It really should be an ROI driver for them. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see that investment climb. It has been climbing, um, you know, over the last 10 years consistently. Uh, but I think we're going to continue to see that happen more and more uh, into the coming year. Yeah. And, you know, I, it, it's, it's interesting we, we know that people care about talent and we know that they, you know, the best companies think about it that way. But what I'm really noticing and it really interesting is that remote work has now helped people lose some of their location bias mm -hmm. to say, well, I have to have a head of marketing must be from Los Angeles or from New York or whatever. Right. They can, sure. they can be somewhere else because now they suddenly know how to work remotely a bit more. For those of us who've been doing it a long time knew it worked, but other people, they just couldn't get their heads around it. And now they were forced to do it. 
Um, so do you think there's other lessons that maybe, maybe it's through hybrid teams, maybe it's the remote work. I mean, uh, are, are there certain things that you maybe think we ought to be thinking about with those types of scenarios, right? With these sort of mixed talent pools and mixed teams and people. So maybe, maybe half the team might be in the office some days and half might be at home. Like we may sort of socially distance the office for a while. Right. And does that bring in a new set of, of challenges or, or talent requirements? Sure. I mean, I think if your company can be remote, you probably should be right now and you, you should be for the ongoing future. It allows your talent to, you know, do things on their own terms and feel comfortable with the situation, but it also allows you as the employer to remove geography as a boundary to finding the right person. Um, you know, at Tradeify, we're a Baltimore-based company. Most of our team is here, uh, but we have, you know, our CTO in Jacksonville, our head of psychology in San Francisco, um, you know, they're, they're spread out um, and that's great. You know, we're able to find the best people by um, removing that geographic barrier. So I think that's going to, you know, keep trending in that direction. I think the, maybe the more interesting challenge into next year is what do the companies do that, that can't, um, you know, that are, you know, retail locations or restaurants, they, they need to put a different perspective on how their hiring process is going to work and probably automate more of their steps uh, to handle a, a different point of view. Well, to your point early on, if they can be remote, they should be right right now. And so the, that that's one whole thing. Uh, clearly someone who's remote. I mean, we're talking about, I'm sorry, a retail, if they have locations where people have to physically go in there and they haven't ch- maybe necessarily shifted their business or something, they're still having customers come in. Yeah. They, they've got a totally different world than the rest of us. You know, you, you, you make wine in the vineyard, you, you build an airplane in the hangar. I mean, there are some jobs that are just going to be at a location. But, you know, all those other jobs can be remote. I, I don't know if we'll end up, I don't know if you re- watched the Big Bang Theory, but like Sheldon was on a, like a, an iPad, like on a, a robot. virtual presence TV. device, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, you know, <laughs> do we end up with some of those at some level, right? Just like somebody on an eternal Zoom walking around the office. Uh, we can hope. I mean, as a Star Wars fan, I'm ready for the droids, you know. You're ready. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and so this kind of brings up the uh, an idea here that, you know, if we're, we're going to be remote and we're going to try to be more efficient and we're going to allow people uh, what I think is a, a better flexibility, a better work-life balance and, a, and that sort of ebbs and flows of their workday to be more productive and to also have a better balance with their families and their, and their lives. That really need, I think the next sort of, evolution to that we've now accepted remote which was a huge hurdle and took a pandemic to force it on us as a society but i feel like now the next thing we really need is like good automation we need good like things happening in the background and 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 kind of filling in those gaps so where do you see automation kind of playing a role in hr technology for going forward Sure. I think, um, you know, good automation is a great word just to start with, because I think there is bad automation um, in the process that's being used today. So I think we need to look at ways to amplify those HR professionals. Um, You know, you get a thousand resumes that come in. You're never going to get through those. You're going to look at some small section. So how can we screen those resumes faster? How can we assess those people more quickly? I think those are steps where automation really matters and is going to help. Um, And then think using the automation to guide data for you, uh, to make smarter data-driven decisions, that is the key, I think, to the next phase of hiring. Uh, we, We have to get to the point where we're making 
fully data-driven decisions. And by doing that, we'll remove things like bias that are preventing a more diverse workplace. I'm wondering if part of the automation process too could be how do we better understand the applicant's uh, personality, which is what you're doing, right? Understand their abilities and maybe their uh, potential to, I guess, integrate and be a part of the company in a positive way. Because it feels like right now, a lot of the automation is like how many keywords are in your resume, right? And so then people are like dumping in like, you know, hidden text into resume, just trying to go around it, right? Because it's bad automation. It's, you know, having the right perfect keywords does not mean you're the perfect uh, applicant or the perfect employee. And, and so there's those kind of back and forth going on. Right. So I don't know if like the, what that future is, it almost feels like you need to be almost like dating. Right. I mean, we wouldn't like go from, uh, it's like those crazy shows where like, you know, you meet the person you're going to, you're going to marry and like you meet them, you meet on that day and you get married that day. Right. That's sort of <laughs> right. what we do with, with jobs. We're like, yep. you know, we really don't go on very many dates before we're like, well, let's just marry this person and get totally entrenched. So is, do you think there's a place for us to maybe sort of do a bit more and add, add in some things that makes more sense for us to have a, you know, does, do we kind of get out of this dichotomy of, well, you're not an employee today and tomorrow you are, right? To try yeah. to figure that out. I, I mean, I think for us, it's very serendipitous that we started in that dating world uh, because there are a ton of parallels uh, between dating and, and applying for a job. But you're right. We just expedite the process and jump right to marriage. Uh, and it's probably not the smartest approach. I think you want to get that, you know, dating-like experience out of the data that's coming through. Um, and so I think personality obviously is, you know, where we spend our time and our focus. But as we look at a year like this year, personality is so important uh, to whether or not this person's going to work out. You want highly conscientious people who are going to care about the customer that's experiencing all these challenges. You need that adaptability to handle that situation. But if you don't automate the data steps to do that, You'll never read through an entire personality profile or an entire resume on thousands of applicants coming through your system. You have to come up with ways to do that smarter, and you have to do it without cheating the system with things like keyword search and uh, things like that, which are huge problems right now. Um, you know, we're in the process of hiring at the moment uh, a role for a data analytics person, and yesterday uh, we had a thousand applications come through, and you could see the keywords, um, and that you know just defeats the purpose of what we're trying to do. Well, it's a challenge and hopefully someone can come up with a great idea because they will make a lot of money. <laughs> Something we really need to figure out. Um, real quick, uh, last quick, two quick questions before we go. First one is, is what are you reading these days? Is there a book that you would suggest uh, everyone check out? Sure. I just read uh, Creativity Inc. Uh, by the Pixar founder. Um, being a design guy, it's a, it's a big thing to me, but we're also working on some animated stuff at Tradeify. So, I'd had some relationship to that. I'd highly recommend it to anyone who's starting a business or, um, you know, running any business. Fantastic. And the most important question is how can people get a hold of you? How can they find out more if they're interested in, in working with you and your, and your company? Absolutely. Uh, you can reach out to us at tradeify.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Dan signs or email me at Dan at tradeify.com. So that's T R A I T I F Y. If anyone is, doesn't know how to spell like me. I ha would have to look at it three times. So, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show today and, and sharing uh, so much about your knowledge and hopefully people can, can check out your product and, and uh, have a need for it. You know, get, get a, get a better personality uh, assessment in there 
And uh, hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the cool things that you're doing. Would love to. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a good rest of your day. All right, we'll be right back after this uh, quick commercial break, and we'll bring in my next two guests. Like I said, we're going to go a little crazy here, and we'll bring in two guests, uh, Brett Cooper and Evans Kerrigan. All right, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first ask, Dan Signs, you can listen to his interview as well as the one we're just about to have by subscribing on iTunes or going to talenttalkradio.com and subscribing there. Or if you get your podcast on Spotify or Stitcher or iHeart, wherever you find them, we're there, subscribe. And that way you'll get alerted anytime we have a new episode that comes out and you won't have to remember to go look. My next guests are Brett Cooper and uh, Evans Kerrigan, co-founders of Intricate Performance Advisors and also co-authors of Solving the People Problem. Uh, hopefully they can uh, tell us how to solve it because I've been looking for the answer for a while now. But uh, <laughs> as a reminder, don't forget, we are tweeting this live. So follow at PeopleG2 on Twitter or the hashtag Talent Talk. That's all one word. Anything wonderfully intelligent that any of us say, we will be popping it on there or links to articles or books or anything else that's mentioned. And of course, anything stupid we say, we will omit from Twitter. So uh, there's plenty of others that are doing that for us. All right. So uh, how are you gentlemen doing today? Doing great, Chris. Thanks. Yeah, doing wonderfully today. Doing excited to have you both on today. Maybe let's uh, uh, start with uh, start with you, Brett, and maybe you could tell me a little bit about yourself and, of course, uh, what your company does. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to, and uh, really glad to be here. Uh, it's an interesting day out in the world, so uh, it's nice to have focus on something different than the <laughs> national craziness that's going on. So, actually, the uh, the background uh, on me is really interlinked with Evans. So uh, Evans and I have actually worked together for almost 20 years. Uh, During that time, we've been organizational health consultants helping clients in the government space, in the nonprofit space, and in corporate America find ways to work together as teams and be better leaders, find ways to be more efficient in their organizations. And after 20 years, well, really after 10 years of doing that kind of work, Evans and I realized that there was something, something that was missing in the work that we were doing. We were really focused on process improvement. And some of your listeners might know the, uh, the, the methodology of lean or lean six Sigma. We were doing a lot of that, this basically kind of technical process improvement. And we really recognized that, you know, we're not getting to the heart of the problems that people are asking us to solve, specifically the problems with people. And that is the interactions of people. 
And so uh, Evans and I, after 10 years of, of doing work together, we realized, you know, hey, let's, let's start doing more in the space of teamwork and of leadership. And we started having some really great success, Chris. And that kind of brought us to, what, a year and a half ago when we said, you know, we really need to write a book about everything that we've learned. So uh, in case your listeners are interested, prior to two decades ago, when, when I first met Evans Garrigan, uh, I started out being a Southern California kid. I know that's where, where you are. I uh, grew up in Huntington Beach, went to San Diego State, got a business degree and got into the finance world for a while, and then eventually moved into that consulting world where I, I got to meet my, my friend and business partner, Evans Garrigan. Well, and we'll turn it over to Evans and let him introduce himself as well. Uh, sure. I'll keep mine a little bit shorter. I've been doing uh, continuous improvement work starting in the 90s. And uh, as Brett shared, yeah, we, along the way, we realized a lot of this was actually around not what we were doing as project teams, but it was around the culture of the organization, leadership, teamwork, and, and those types of things. So we actually created Integris to really pursue that that angle to really talk about the continuous improvement, but in light of how we could actually help the culture, make sure that we were going to be successful at getting those changes implemented. Uh, my background starts a long time ago and it's not that long a show. So as you can tell, uh, I've been doing this for a while. So, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of move on and we'll share a little bit about what's going on here and you'll hear a little bit of my story, I guess, as we go through that too. Well, fantastic. And I can always tell a good partnership when one, when one comes like, well, I'll go a little shorter. So uh, they, they kind of yin and yanging off each other. I love it. But um, I'll, I'll kind of leave this to whoever wants to take it first. Uh, you know, what exactly is the people problem? What are, what are we talking about here? Sure. So uh, I'll actually take that. Uh, the, the people problem from our perspective, uh, having grown up in the continuous improvement world, but we always talk about the, the problem is the process. It's not the people. But the reality is there's a process of how people interact with one another, work with one another, understand one another, and actually capitalize on that or don't capitalize on it and actually have friction come out of that. So the people problem is really our, our inability to recognize differences and honor those differences by how we work together. So our, our real focus here is that people aren't the problem but how we interact with one another, we can improve that process and remove a tax or friction in all of our work together. And it starts with us. Well, so often when I'm asked to go in and work with an organization, they'll be, well, this person's a problem and this manager's this. And, and, and you know, there are those times when there's some, uh, you know, really bad person that needs to be removed, right? That is really a cancer an issue. But most of the time it's a system. Mm -hmm. Right. It's some sort of process. It's some sort of cultural thing that has been allowed to go on or has been created or, 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 you know, manifested itself in some way that is now creating havoc uh, inside of a team or an organization and, and a small change. Right. I mean, I, I had this really long definition of what culture is, but I think uh, there's a simpler one, which is like, you know, people like us do things like this, right. That's just that very simple. Right. And if people like us, are rude to everyone else. And we, we put ourselves first. We, we, you know, all these sort of like very, I guess, non simpatico things that inside our organization, it's really, really easy for them to get off course. So what, how do they get themselves back on course? Is there, is there a system they should think about, or is it just a matter of getting onto some sort of system that is more positive or, or, or puts people back into the, I guess, the, the, the driver's seat inside the organization? 
Yeah, I would argue that there's there, there's probably multiple systems that people could use, but the thing that that we saw that was exactly what you're just talking about there, Chris. You know, these people not being able to interact in, in that way. We we actually created a framework that we call Disk EQ, and what this is is it's it's not something that is totally brand new. Rather, it's a synthesis of two ideas that have been around and been really valuable for a long time. Uh, the, the first part of it is all about emotional intelligence. You know, emotional intelligence has been around for 20 plus years, and it really talks to the idea of people being in tune with their own emotions and in tune with the emotions of other people and being able to manage those things. Well, one of the things that Evans and I found as we were working with emotional intelligence over the last really 15 years is that it was a great concept, but a lot of people didn't really understand, okay, well, what, what exactly do I need to do with that? What's a language that I can use to better understand my own personality, my own style, my own emotional intelligence? And is there a language that also helps me understand other people? Well, we've been using uh, a, a, a framework for understanding personality for a number of years called DISC, uh, which is uh, one of the you know one of the, the world's most widely known and widely used personality style assessments. And a couple of years ago, Evans and I realized, you know what? Hey, you know, hey, Reese's peanut butter cup, chocolate and peanut butter, two great tastes that taste great together. That's what we saw in DISC and emotional intelligence. So we put together this framework called DISC. EQ that really is a framework and a guideline that people can use to help them solve this people problem that we're talking about right now. So I, I've used DISC for years as one of my favorite uh, assessments and I love it because it does give that person a really good sense of who they are. It also gives them some really good things to think about, right? Like in, in these certain situations, you may, you know, struggle to you know connect with people, you should slow down. I mean, it gives you some very, very specific things, which is a little bit of an EQ type of a, I guess, a, a lens that they're using. You know, I'm always looking at what am I good at, right? So the disc helps me understand what I'm, where I'm going to shine. And also, okay, if I'm really low in like one of those, maybe if I'm really low in S or I'm low in C, like I need to avoid those situations or put other people in charge where they're, you know, they have a highlight. But maybe we could go a little bit deeper here. Maybe this is for you, Evans. Go a little bit deeper here and say, well, how, how does that EQ part you're talking about amplify what we know about DISC? Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, what we know about EQ is EQ is malleable. It can change. So where we talk about DISC, DISC really is our starting point. It's where we are most comfortable. If we want to increase our emotional intelligence, we want to increase our ability to actually be successful with people who are like and unlike us. Part of it is not about changing who we are, but it's about learning to flex, learning to get a little bit of ability to move a little bit so that I can work with more and more people in a positive way. So our DISC EQ framework really kind of talks about building that awareness of knowing our style. As you were saying, Chris, kind of here's stuff that kind of comes naturally to me and here's stuff that's a little bit more challenging. Uh, and then the second part of that is actually applying that. And, and one of the challenges that we see with any of the personality profiles is people like them as workshops and like that first, that first knowledge and awareness. It, but the real, the real measure is, do you actually use it, change your behavior, 
do things to be more effective, maybe pass some stuff off that you know you're going to really struggle with. At the same time, we also look at the others in this. So if I know other styles, partially all of our communication is about getting different people working together. And I know when I was first going through undergrad um, a long, long time ago, I remember a communications class where our instructor told us, communication isn't about what you say, it's about what the other person hears. So part of this is about, I, I got to really understand what those other people are like, what matters to them, what drives them, what are their motivators, their stressors, what's really going on with them. And then the last piece, the application of that knowledge is, how do I adapt my behavior so that we can actually mutually benefit, right? How do I get us to move forward? And when we think about DISC EQ, we think about this applies in a whole lot of different ways in the workforce. This applies in how I make my decisions every day on a day-to-day -day basis, right? I'm, I'm driven by certain things. There are things that come to my mind all the time. When I make decisions, it's going to be about collaboration. It's going to be about how it's going to impact the people. Those are going to be the drivers for me. One of the things that frequently does not come up in my initial decision-making process may be the accuracy. I may I may miss some details there, right? If, if I work, if I'm working with somebody who's really good at that, I can either find that a frustration when they start to challenge those things or realize they actually help add to a fuller picture, right? So, so part of this is about how do I adapt? How do I understand? And sometimes those people who are very different from me, there's the opportunity for friction, but that's where the opportunity for synthesis is. That's where things can really jump forward. So as we've shared that framework, one of the things we consistently do with people is help them understand that this, this impacts their decision-making, it impacts their communication, it impacts where they have conflict, how they work in teams, how they work with people outside their organization, and specifically, really big for us, how it impacts their leadership in working with other people. So it's the application of that stuff over time and moving from thinking about things as a, as a workshop or as an idea to actually just the way in which we work. So we've, we've done a lot of work with teams, putting teams together specifically to bring out different styles. And what we find is those teams get a lot better work done if they have an, a language to be able to talk about those emotions and to be able to deal with them going forward. And Chris, if I can, if I can add, you know, I started out the uh, the episode just making a comment on how crazy things are out, out in the world. Well, when Evans and I started to write this book, Solving the People Problem, it was a year and a half ago. Uh, COVID wasn't a uh, wasn't on anyone's radar. Moving to virtual and remote work for everybody in the world wasn't on anybody's radar. Now, Evans and I have been doing remote work for a long time. I know you're a, a big fan and proponent of remote work. But when we started writing this book, we were expecting it to be, it's going to be about for teams in the workplace, people that can actually get around a table together and talk. And as we, we got close to putting the, the book out and COVID hit, we recognized, oh my gosh, the ideas that we're sharing, that we thought we were going to share for in office, they're even more relevant today than they were even a year ago. So uh, we're finding uh, now that we're working with a lot more teams in a virtual format that this whole idea around helping them understand their emotional intelligence and putting a language to it, that DISC language to it, is helping them get a whole lot more out of their virtual interactions uh, when they're on Zoom and someone is you know, sitting back and is a little bit quiet they can understand that a little bit better why and very importantly 
they can learn techniques to get those people to engage more in virtual interaction. For example, some of the people that might be a little more reserved on the uh, the disc scale, you know, folks that don't naturally just speak up. Well, if you know that, if you learn that about your team member, before you jump on a Zoom virtual meeting, send the person that some information beforehand, ask them some questions, tell them, hey, these are some of the things I'd like you to think about. So it gives them that opportunity to process it. So when you're together for the limited time here on a Zoom meeting, well, you're able to get uh, that much more productivity out of the entire team. Well, and that's why I'm a big proponent for really uh, strict meeting types, right? So everyone knows like what type of meeting am I coming to? Am I coming to a quick, hey, let's just solve a one problem meeting? Or am I showing up to some long, big strategy thing where like, yes, I need to know the agenda and I need to have things in advance and I need everyone on the team needs to know what's going to happen so that they can come prepared and have thought through it. And right, they'll have the, they'll have what they need to speak up. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if you are an extrovert and no problem talking, you may talk, but you may not be talking correctly. You may not be saying the right things if you haven't thought about what you need to, you know, in advance. And that's, so I, I like to kind of formulate those meetings so that everyone kind of knows what am I showing up to. We, we use these funny names like cockroach meetings and ostrich meetings and tiger team meetings. So p- people know what they're right. You go, hey, ostrich meeting. And that means I need help getting my head out of the sand. Like I don't know something who can help me learn something or get the information I need. I don't need you to solve any problems. No one's going to get, we're not going to talk about anything difficult. Just show up and fill me in. Yeah. Right. You know, that, that kind of thing. And that, that I like these little mechanisms to, I think sort of build in the EQ for me, that has always worked better to like create mechanisms, help people do it. And then see who gets really interested in it. Certain people would naturally like, wow, why does this work? And they ask questions and now they want to learn more and they, they really get it. And some people, they don't, they don't have any desire to learn more about anything that has to do with that, but they still benefit from me creating the little mechanisms. Right? So is that the kind of approach you guys would typically take or is you, are, are you more likely to walk in an organization and say, well, let's look at this more holistically, right? Would we, train people. I guess I, I'm more of teaching someone a lesson as opposed to being a professor coming and saying, well, let's learn about all of World War II, right? And I'm saying, well, let's just talk about a tank. <laughs> Go ahead, Brett. No, actually, Evans. Yeah. So uh, I think Brett and I would, we both kind of agree with your approach, Chris. If we train people in a workshop and it's a workshop, we're going to get really low retention on that, right? People, adults need to know how does this work for me? They need to apply it. They need to work their way up the, the the kind of learning curve from awareness and understanding all the way up to where they can actually experiment with, try it, make it work. So in general, we we do tend to use a lot of exercises, uh, little gimmicks, little tools where they're applying things to realize, oh, you know what? Actually, that, that was actually really helpful. Um, and, and actually understand what is going on in their own environment, not as a, here's an academic thing we want to slap on. It, it, we start, I mean, DISC is, yeah, it's four letters around personality profiles, but really it's a, it, there's much more depth to that. And people learn in detail as they apply things. 
not from a report, right? It's it's how does this work for my team? How do I actually learn not what the what that other person's style is, but how do I learn to actually appreciate the differences that we have and to actually honor those differences by saying, you know what, it's worth me flexing a little bit because that actually benefits what we're doing. So it's when they see results of applying those things, of changing how they do their meetings and realizing it wasn't just three people dominating the meeting, but actually everybody had really good ideas. And by making some changes in how we set up meetings, how we ran them, we actually got to better answers, got to better results for the team. So, so we're all about the application from, from, from my perspective, it's, it's always about the practicality of can it actually help us change results? Not well, and, about. Yeah. And one of the best things about disc it, it, yeah. in, in understanding each other, like you said, was, you know, I've had two people that start, you know, just are butting heads. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you want to coach them or talk them through it or whatever. And I honestly just send each other their disc profiles and say, read it. Go read, go read their profile yep. and then, and then let's get back on the call. And usually like nine, 99% of the time they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it the, says they hate small talk and I'm trying to build a rapport. So I show up on the phone and I'm doing small talk with them because I'm trying to make things better and I'm literally doing the thing they hate. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you can really use some of this stuff as a tool to connect better with people. But I, I kind of feel like that part's the exception. I do those situations and it's more, I see more value, or I shouldn't say value, I see more application of this in people doing what they do well and understanding what they do well to do more of that. Is that what you guys see as well or, or am I missing another component here of this, maybe a Venn diagram of this? No, I'm actually going to give you an example of, of one of my own learnings uh, about my disc style and my emotional intelligence, a, uh, an, an exercise, and, and I'll explain it in a way that your listeners uh, can, can take it and, and potentially use it with their own team because it's an exercise that we use with clients uh, that we've used with our own team as well, and we call it the appreciation seat. And Chris, what the appreciation seat is that a team uh, will join together either in a Zoom uh, meeting now, in the old days we were around a table, but essentially one person would be in the quote appreciation seat and everybody else would go around the room and would give that person basically an accolade. You know, here's something you do that really helps, uh, helps our team move forward. Keep doing that. Great job. But because we're all about process improvement and we're about, you know, growing and improving, we have a second round that everybody goes around and says, okay, now here's something that you do that kind of slows us down. Maybe if you could control that in a certain way, that'd be great as well. And so one time we were doing this appreciation seat with our team and I'm the guy in the appreciation seat. Well, we come to one of our colleagues named Renee. And Renee gets to me and she says, Brett, you know, the thing that you do that's so great, always pushes us forward is you're always ideating. You know, you're always looking towards the future. You're thinking about what's the next round of products that we need to introduce and, you know, how are we going to do things new and different for, you know, the, the clients in the future. And so, you know, that's what you do that really helps us. You're ideating. It's great. Keep it going. Something. Okay, great. And that lines up very much with my disc style. I happen to be an I, an influence disc style, which is all about enthusiasm, results, action. I'm right there. So then everybody else kind of went around the appreciation seat. And then we went to the second phase of what's something you could do 
Well, Renee comes back to Renee and Renee, after she just told me that ideating is the thing that just moves us forward. She says, you know, Brett, you know, one of the things that you do that slows us down as a team is you're always ideating. You know, we, we come up with an idea, we make the decision, we're working on it and you're already on to the next thing. And it's funny that happened, what, eight years ago, Evans, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And uh, Chris, it's, it's a real life example of you know, one of the exercises that we use that when I used it, when we used it, it stuck in my mind. And what it did is it, it speaks to what you were just talking about. It helped me recognize my strength, which is again, very much in line with my personality style and my communication style of, Hey, I'm an idea guy. I'm a, you know, a futurist, a, a, a vision kind of guy, but it made me really realize that overused that strength actually becomes a weakness. And so when we use disc EQ, what we're trying to do is both help people understand what their strengths are and really help them leverage that, but also help them understand what are the style preferences that they have? What are the behavioral patterns that they have that if they're not aware of them, they can actually get them in trouble. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's uh, Emerson in a, in a bottle right there, right? It's uh, your greatest strength is your also your greatest weakness. You know, I mean, I've, I I can in situations, you know, if something happens, like I can jump up and be a leader and start organizing everyone at the same time. They're like, who who made you boss, buddy? You know, <laughs> you know? but that's just my natural strength. I mean, I remember I had several times, you know, on an airplane, things didn't go wrong, and suddenly I'm helping, like I'm talking people, and I'm like you're not in a unit. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, just, you know but you know, you kind of just, your strength can, can just can take over sometimes, but you know, we've talked so much about this disc EQ. I want to make sure people know this. You guys have this on your website and I believe people can take this for free. Right. So maybe tell me what's the website. How do they do that? Yeah. What we have on the website is what we call our solving the people problem survey which goes along with the book, Solving the People Problem. And interestingly, it's on the website, solvingthepeopleproblem.com. And what the Solving the People Problem survey does, Chris, and all of your, all of your uh, listeners can jump on to solvingthepeopleproblem.com and look for the What's My Disc EQ link. It's on the homepage and it's in the, in the uh, menu. They click on that and they just enter in the access code, Talent Talk and they'll get right into this survey. And what this survey will do for them is it asks them 32 questions, eight questions in each of one of four areas of DISC EQ. And those four areas are know your style, choose your actions wisely, know other styles, and adapt your behavior for mutual benefit. And the survey itself asks how frequently do you do certain behaviors and it will give you, it'll give all of your listeners a personalized report that will give them a low, medium, high score in each one of those four areas of DISC EQ. And importantly, it's not just a score because the score, uh, I think Evans and I would both argue, it sounds like you probably would too, a score on something like that is only a moment in time. What is most important is, okay, well, what do I do with that score? How can I actually get better regardless of where I am? So the personalized report that comes once your listeners take that survey gives them very specific ideas of what they can do to get just a little bit better 
in each one of those four categories. So there's a, you know, there, there are different ideas if you're come in as a low, as a medium or a high, but wherever you are, we view it as, Hey, you can always get better. And that's what that personalized report uh, really strives to do. Hopefully people can go there. I appreciate you giving out that uh, talent talk code and they can go there and, and find out more about their personality. Even if they've done other things like this in the past, I have seen employees change over time. I've changed over time. I, my results sort of evolve, you know I mean? So if you've not taken a disc or something like this in a while, I think it's, it's an awesome thing to do to go and kind of see where you're at right now. I mean, who knows what impact COVID in 2020 has had on everyone's personality types and you know, all that I know, when I first took it, when I was 16 years old, my S was like the highest. I was D and S and I was not happy. I realized <laughs> that my S was like the thing I wish I could change about myself. I didn't like that. I went to a restaurant and always ordered the same meal. Right. And like, it was so rigid. And so now S is my least. I really had to work at it and be conscious about it. And then sort of over time, you, you can change your personality. You can change yourself by being conscious of it and knowing it and, and reading and thinking. I mean, it's not happen overnight, but I mean, you're not, you're not stuck. I think if anyone sort of sees things about themselves, they want to change. I think you, the most part can change. So I think um, it's all about, you know, Evans mentioned that this, you know, that, that emotional intelligence is malleable. And I would say the most important thing about what we do is helping people really take that mirror, look at themselves and recognize, hey, what are the things that I do? Uh, what are the patterns that I do? What are the strengths that I bring? And if there are certain things that I want to change, if there are things I want to improve, well, you know what? I can set forth and I can actually do those because they are, in fact, as Evan said, it's all a very malleable kind of a thing. Well, I really want to thank both of you for being here today. We're all out of time, but um, hopefully people can go to your website, take that test, and we would love to have you guys come back at some point, give us an update on all the awesome things that you're doing. And again, just thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you, Chris. It's been thank a lot of fun. Chris. All right, thanks. thanks to everyone for tuning into today's show. Hopefully you've gained something that you can use in your own career in a positive way. Until next time, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.